Guys, welcome to Nathan Cage Interview Podcast. On the couch today, we've got Zoe Aston, therapist from The Mind Gym. We're going to be talking about health, wellness. Health, mental health, wellness, emotional health, um, and anything that goes kind of along with that in terms yeah. of mental health disorders or struggles or um, any of the questions that have come in. Some great questions yeah. have come in. Um, but I, you know, I think this yeah, it's a really good week to have you know, you on about yeah. mental illness, health awareness week. Yeah. Um, I think you've got a great story to tell as well because you've been there and done that. Yeah. And I want to go into that if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, because I think anyone that's got a story to tell, it's, you know, it's well worth telling because then people can relate to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we're not all superhuman and we're not all Superman. Yeah. Uh, we can't, you know, we do need to talk about our problems. Yeah. Um, so just fill me in about, tell me, what you've been doing recently and what the Mind Gym's all about. Okay, well, I, so I've been working as a therapist for about nine years, coming up to nine years. Um, and I kind of, earlier this year, I was sort of like, how can I start to sort of give back a bit more publicly? And then I was, someone said something that triggered me to think, I'm going to start an Instagram account. And it just kind of snowballed from there. So um, historically, I've done lots of sort of one-to-ones. My speciality is addiction and trauma. But more recently, I've kind of, moved out a little bit helping people with transitions and um, anxieties and depressions and like so my thing is that people don't necessarily need to have a mental health diagnosis mm-hmm. to come into therapy it's okay to just want support because um, you're having a difficult time yeah okay or there's a, like something that's a bit tricky going on you don't really know how to navigate it and you know getting advice from your friends is really helpful but they all have thoughts and opinions because they know you really well so having someone who just has a kind of educated blank um, idea about the problem that you're having can be really, really helpful. So what you're saying is that you don't have to have depression or you don't have to have mental health issues yeah. to actually go and speak to somebody or yeah. just say, I just need to talk to someone about a problem. Yeah, and exactly. Do you think that that's been a massive problem that people just don't talk about it? Yeah, I think that um, the sort of stigma that comes with going to see a therapist is that there has to be something wrong with you. There must be something that's like you've gone crazy or you've gone mad or you're really not okay. And I think, you know, lots of people just go to the doctor for checkups or like their health's a bit off so they adjust their diet, they see something about their diet or, you know, you go to the gym because you want to kind of motivate your energy a little bit more or something like that. And I think going to therapy could could be something that people just kind of normalise. And in some places it is, like New York... It's, it's really normal. Yeah, I have my shrink and you yeah, go, yeah. Yeah, and it, but even I find myself and people are like, where have you been, where are you going? I'm like, oh, I had an appointment. And I'm like, I was going to see my therapist. But even I sometimes feel, still feel sort of ashamed, which yeah. is just, it's just kind of speaks to me as the sort of... It's absurd because it should be actually... I'm going to my therapist because I'm going to get yeah. my mind right first yeah. before I get anything else right yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can 100% relate to that. But how would somebody know that they've maybe got okay so i'm not talking about just problems i'm talking about you know if somebody's got some deep rooted issues yeah how can you identify that or how can maybe someone else identify and say and approach them the right way and say look let's go speak to somebody well you know i think there comes a point when you know you can talk stuff out with your friends and family um and but there comes a point where they don't really know what to do and often what happens is they start to step back and then the person who's trying to figure the thing out feels abandoned and it kind of confirms that what they're going through is mad or crazy or they, no one can deal with it, no one knows how to deal with it and yeah. then they, that kind of propels it forward. But I think the moment where you can say to someone, look, I don't know how to talk to you about this, have you thought about seeing someone that knows about this stuff, mm-hmm. um, is actually a kind of step forward in, you could call it objective um, 
advice giving. So I think the, the friends and family are great, but to a certain extent, they can only take it to a certain extent. And that's not because your stuff is too much or like people don't know how to deal with you. It's just that they don't know, they don't know how to say things in a way that um, translates. A professional word, yeah. maybe, yeah. So if, you, know, you do need a professional opinion. Not, yeah. a, not an opinion, maybe just someone that maybe can get the right things out of you, ask the right yeah, questions. Yeah. And it, sometimes it's just about coming yeah. and being able to um, just focus on yourself for 50 minutes or an hour, however long your session is. Um, sometimes the therapist actually doesn't need to do externally very much because sometimes it's just that space, particularly in London, you know, we're all like super busy and running around all the time and checking our phones and I know because I do it, but having a, an hour a week or a month or wh however frequently you decide to do it yeah. um, can be just really helpful in sort of resetting and discharging some of the nonsense that we make up about ourselves and our lives yeah. um, when we're sort of ambushed with... Um, society and social media and yeah, other people's thoughts and opinions and yeah are you finding a lot more younger people uh maybe sort of speaking freely about it like maybe that it's the older generation that are not yeah. so much opening up but the maybe are the younger generation coming up and saying look i've got an issue i want to talk about it yeah i think there is a big difference and i think part of my like starting an instagram account was because i really wanted to make therapy available or I don't even call it therapy on the account on purpose. Yeah. You know, I don't use the word therapy. I call it the mind gym because I didn't want to use the word therapy because as soon as someone goes, oh, I've got a therapy, therapy. account yeah. following me or I'm following a therapy account, one of my friends going to think the stigma's kind of back in. So yeah. I try to avoid on my social media using the word therapy, yeah. although obviously I'm a psychotherapist, so it comes up. Um, but I, the point of it was to make um, as much information available to a younger generation and to make it as kind of accessible and acceptable yeah. for people to ask for help early on because I think part of the thing is that generations have got older and the stigma just enlarges and the shame that they experience around whatever's going on um, increases um, so then they, it's difficult for them to even say hear their kids say I yeah. need help so if a 15 year old says mum I need to talk to someone mum might not even let them yeah or, so you yeah. think why do you need to speak to someone about yeah, it because yeah. There have times in the past where I've thought, you haven't got depression, just, you'll be fine, yeah. just man up, get on with it. Yeah. And it's totally the wrong thing to do. But what I'm really surprised about is people can go to their doctor yeah. and they can get a pill at yeah, such yeah, a young yeah. age these days because they're depressed. Yeah. Do you not think that doctors are giving these like, prescriptions out too quickly? I've got my microphone. Um, um, so, I mean, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not medically trained, so I don't have the medication debate too often, but particularly with young people, I think that it's really important to try everything else yeah. before you try medication. 100%. Because, uh, you know, lots of the work that I've done over the years and the people that I've worked with are about um, prevention rather than um, a cure. A cure. Yeah. So let's, let's nip it in the bud, whatever the problem is, before it becomes an issue. Yeah. Um, and I think the medication thing, uh, it sort of the message that you receive if you get medication when you're very young is that you have a diagnosis and you have an issue and then you can get attached to that and it kind of, um, it can sort of expand and propel forward as you get older. Not to say, you know, if you have a diagnosis, you have a diagnosis, yeah, you know, true. fine. But I'm a big one and my own journey was to try everything else. And I have been on medication mm -hmm. and it did really help, um, but only for a period of time. Um, and that was, I made that decision after literally trying everything else and still struggling with my mood. 
Did you, so, tell us about your story. I mean, like, just tell me a little bit, like, going yeah. to, when did it all start? Because you had an eating disorder, is that? Yeah, so my main things were food, eating disorders, and self-harm. Um, and then alongside that, there's a sort of addiction and uh, relational trauma, codependency, as we call it, and that kind of stuff, um, which is really common. Those things go together really commonly. Usually yeah. if you've got one, you've got the others in one way or another. Um, yeah, so I... Um, I mean, I was quite poorly through my teens. I was a dancer before I was a psychotherapist. So the food and the body thing was quite sort of in my face all the time. Mm. Um, was that pressure from people to say um, you can't eat or you can't do this? No, I don't, I don't think I, I don't think I necessarily felt that there were other people saying your body needs to change. But somewhere along the line... I did get that message. And to be honest, I think I, if I think back over my life, I think I've always used eating as a way to kind of um, help myself feel better. Mm. When I was younger, I didn't eat very much. And then as I came into my teens, like I became bulimic and then moved more into the anorexia side of things. And wow. then I did, and I did the overeating thing. So um, I kind of, I've done all the eating disorders. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, it was, I think... There is, there is pressure, that, particularly with eating disorders, there is pressure from external sources, but I do also think that there is something genetic in there and there is something that um, it doesn't always turn into such a serious um, illness. Yeah. Um, in my case, I kind of ended up, I, I did end up in treatment, so I was in treatment for about a year. Wow. Um, yeah, so, um, and I kind of, I came in, relapsed, went out, mm -hmm. went out, relapsed, came back in um, and moved around a little bit. Um, what, what is it that got you to a place where you thought, I, I'm now fully aware of this? Because yeah. it's, it's one thing, you know, having depression or an eating disorder or any sort of mental health you know, issue, but it's being aware of it yeah. and then knowing how to action to sort of... Yeah, I, well, I, I, to be honest, I was aware of it, but um, it was my family that were like, you, this can't go on. They were just like, this, you, this can't go on, we have to do something. Um, so I was quite lucky in that I was sort of 19, 20 in my... My parents, my family were not going to put up with it any longer. Mm. So I was sort of forced into um, getting better. And do you know what? Thank God, because um, had it had I been left to my own devices, I might have gone on like that for another 10 years. Yeah, or and might not have gone on at all. Yeah. Which is yeah, quite exactly. scary. And I wouldn't be sitting here today. So, and lots of people do. I mean, eating disorders kill. I think anorexia is the highest mortality rate of any psychiatric wow. illness. Um, it's really deadly what advice could we give someone out there at the moment maybe they're watching this and they're maybe sort of between the ages of 14 and 19 yeah. you know a young teenager and they're thinking you know i i acknowledge what you're saying yeah. and i i know that i've got it what how can they what's the next step like because hmm. sometimes just being brave and saying go and speak to someone it's just not that easy yeah i mean you have to understand this is the bit where you need help like you have to understand why you're doing what you're doing really I say that, but sometimes you also have to stop what you're doing in order to figure out why you're doing what you're doing. Because often the flare-up for an eating disorder is something that's quite difficult, like a, you know, a move, a change of school, um, a parent's divorce. Um, sometimes people just hitting puberty or having a new group of friends is a big thing. Yeah. It kind of frightens them. And the controlling what your body weight and shape and what you eat is just a way of dealing with that. So it's all very well kind of saying, yeah, I know I've got this problem. And the likelihood is that part of them will really want to change and really want to get better. 
but there's always going to be a part of them that is quite strongly in the illness, which is where you need people like me yeah. to try and help differentiate between the two. Yeah. Because when it gets, as, it, as the eating disorder continues, you kind of end up more and more contaminated by it, let's say, it becomes stronger. It's just like a snowball effect, basically. Yeah, yeah. and um, so you end up kind of not knowing who's you and who's the eating disorder. It's quite scary. Yeah. That's, it's a, it's yeah. a scary place to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's okay. people keep saying it's okay not to be okay, but I don't think it is. Like, stop. It's okay to not be okay. Like, but you need to do something about it. Like, yeah. Please. Like, you know, I think I see young people and I see them having these eating disorders and I see them being depressed. I just feel like I feel like they've got nowhere to go to, though. Like, yeah. what, what would a young person do? What, what's their next call of action? Do they pick up the phone and call Zoe? Do they, you know, speak to their doctor? If they don't want to speak to their parents because they might be ashamed. Yeah. You know, sometimes speaking to someone that you just don't know, sometimes easier. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I get lots of messages from people with eating disorders on Instagram just saying, this is where I'm at. I've had therapy, I haven't had therapy, I don't want to go to therapy, what can I do? Um, and I mean, the, the, the main thing is to, ca is to catch that kind of moment of light where you do want to get better yeah. and run with it because it probably won't last very long. But if you can act in that moment, so whether that is speaking to the school counsellor or speaking to their mental health services at university or, you know, just putting a message out, an email out, sending some people. Really good point. So it's that point where you've maybe spoke about it. It's made yeah. you feel really good. It's that point now you need to realise what yeah. you've just done yeah. and carry on talking about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that kind of, that will close up very quickly. Um, That's but it. at least yeah. you've done it. So yes. if you act in that moment, then you've opened up some kind of door. You've opened up some kind of um, the yeah, release idea of what, what could be different. Yeah. Because the problem is when you're in stuff like that, whether it's an eating disorder or any other type of mental health issue, um, it doesn't feel like it can only be, ever be any different. No. Um, and that can be a really scary place to be. And I, oftentimes I think that's where the depression kicks in because depression accompanies a lot of different type of, types of um, issues. It comes with, it comes on its own as well. Yeah, of course. But it comes alongside m most other, mm, I'm hesitating because I'm not sure I agree with myself, but <laughs> it, 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 reactive depression yeah. can accompany most other types of mental health issues what types of mental health issues are there because we so it's mental health awareness week yeah but what does that cover i mean you know what, what's the scope here so i mean i think that covers anything that is to do with your head yeah. <laughs> anything that's to do with your mind yeah okay um so if you're thinking about anything from thinking about yourself negatively negative thought patterns right up to sort of you could go as far as say psychosis and paranoia and all that kind of stuff yeah. and all the bits in the middle which are drugs and alcohol and food and sex and gambling and relationships and OCD and um, I probably could carry on naming them but the thing for me and why I find my work so exciting is that every single person's um, story, every single person, every single person has a different sort of way they're put together yeah. so it's always new, it's always unique. I had someone once ask me have you ever done this before? And I was like, what do you mean? Should, have you ever worked with this particular issue? And I was like, well, no, because you're you. Yeah. And we haven't, I haven't worked with you yet. So I do think that everyone... Is unique. And yeah, everyone has a different sort of way of, the, of their mind working. And that's yeah. usually based in kind of what's happened or what they think is going to happen and thoughts and feelings about the past, present, future. Um, but it is really sort of specific to each individual as to 
how the mind works and if that's a bit out of kilter, that is mental health. Yeah. Because when we say physical health, no one asks, well, what's physical no, health? Don't. We know that. Anything to do with our body, yeah, it's whether true. it's my fingernail or my entire leg. I think because the mind is so complex yeah. and, you know, everyone thinks in different ways and, you know, your, your mind changes from minute to minute to minute to well, seconds, you yeah. know, like it just changes. So you misinterpret what mental yeah. health awareness is or, or what depression is or what anxiety is. And, yeah. you know, I think we've all got it in ourselves. So we've all got some sort of not mental health issue, but something in our minds that is a negativity or, you know, yeah. like we eat on our emotions. Yeah. Tell me about the diet. I call it the single diet. Right. Um, where you, you break up from somebody. Okay. And people go through this phase of just not eating anything. Yeah. Like, what is this emotional eating? I, I keep people you know, yeah. thinking about it. Um, so, I mean, the thing is when you break up with someone, you're sort of losing something, I suppose, and there's a, there's a grief and loss process in there. But you're right, lots of people do go through this kind of like, I can't eat. Um, it makes you feel sick, like it's that, yeah. that, it's that sick feeling. Yeah. Um, I probably, is that one of the questions you got? No, no it's, it's just, just something that out. I, it's just, because <laughs> you know I noticed somebody the other day, he, you know, they, they, this couple had split up and this guy just lost so much weight. Yeah. And, I, and me and my wife, not joking about it, but he said, she said, that's the single diet. Oh. I was like, it's not really a diet, but yeah, you know, yeah. if you want to lose a few pounds, yeah, break up with your partner. Not okay. No, no, it's not okay. No, it's not okay. But, you know, he's obviously going through some sort of yeah. mental thing. I think when lots of the time, I mean, I can't be specific about the people that, because, I mean, it is something that happens to a lot of people. Also, people go the other way. Yeah. Um, but I think when you're having lots of feelings, you're having all those kind of sad, anxious, fear, lonely feelings, you can get kind of, your body kind of reacts to it. Yeah. And all the sort of, uh, what's the words when it's in your body? Um, can't remember. Anyway, it's in your body. Yeah. Um, it, and it'll, uh, come. it'll come. It'll come. Um, it's kind of it sets off certain organs and certain bits and pieces. Like it's literally your body having a, an emotional reaction because wow. feelings actually start. It's debatable if they start in your mind or in your body, but your body certainly. Well, the mind must send them, them to the body. Yeah, no. and we'll all have we all have different ways of so. So I've, if you're thinking, oh, I'm in grief. I've just broken up with my girlfriend, boyfriend, um, and you translate that as um, I'm not good enough. Mm. Therefore, I don't deserve to eat on sub subconscious level. Wow, your body's going to start rejecting food. Mm -hmm. So all that fear and all that That's anxiety crazy. is That's mental, isn't well, it? Yeah, but so many people experience it. Yeah, they do. And most people, once they've gone through that period of not eating, they then start overeating. This so they go. What's worse? I mean, there's no. Do you undereat? Do you overeat? I mean, is there. How do you know that you're overeating? You know that you're overeating because if you are consistently consuming more food than you need, mm -hmm. um, then basically you're overeating. I mean, I don't think that there's a better or a worse with. If we're looking at food, I think, you know, we do need a balanced diet, yeah, and yeah. that looks like chocolate one day, but you know, a good range of vegetables also. Um, but I think it's really important to note that actually both undereating and overeating are as problematic as each other. Yeah. Um, they have, they look different, mm -hmm. but the underlying symptoms are often really similar. Um, you know, as a society, we sort of glamorize undereating um, and shame overeating. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is that those people, actually, if we were to take their bodies away, mm -hmm. if we look at their minds, they're probably having a really similar process. Yeah. It's just what they're doing with it is different, or they're at a different stage of the process. 
so sad how people can hide, like, and they hide this as well. Yeah. Like you know, you'll see, I don't know, it could be a damn model or whatever, and she's super skinny. Yeah. And you know, it looks on Instagram, and I was speaking to somebody else, you know, they put this picture out there of their life, and they yeah. go home and they're so depressed. And we just judge them straight away on what we see on the outside. Yeah. But, you know, how do, I just want to, you know, I want to say to people that, I suppose my point is, you know, whatever you see on Instagram, what we see in social media, it's, that's not their life. Yeah. You know, that's not, it's less than 1%. It's less yeah. than 0.1% of someone's life. Yeah. You know, don't look at these people's life and go, I want that. I must have that. Because yeah. trust me, you probably don't. Because what they're trying to put out there is a life that they don't have. Yeah. And it's something totally fake. And in their own minds, yeah. they could be totally depressed. They could be, yeah. And lots of people who perform, which basically, I mean, Instagram is, yeah. it's a performance, it's a show, um, do have a sort of withdrawal effect or a downer from um, the performance, so to yeah. speak. So, I mean, even I notice it. Like, I mean, I wasn't really into Instagram before all of this. Like, I had a personal account, but... Um, and then I started doing this, and there was a couple, there's been, a, you know, a couple of days, it was kicked off, and then there was a couple of days where not much happened, I didn't post anything or something, and I felt like lonely oh my god and i was like oh my god this must this is, and i knew exactly what was happening yeah but i was like like and i'm trained in it like <laughs> yeah. there are millions of people out there dealing with this reaction mm. without them even realizing like what's going on that that's the scary part yeah you know it's they're not knowing that they're feeling this this yeah. feeling and they're trying to look for that instant gratification yeah. from people that they don't know yeah and that's that to me is the worst yeah. and they're doing stuff for people that they don't know um, you know, it's just it's a small bit of gratification, which means nothing. Yeah. Um, it's it's really scary. Yeah, it's it really is. scary. And it, um, you know, there was there's new research about screens and social media and stuff, and that, you know, tapping, a, getting a like or getting a follow or whatever, um, the chemicals that it releases yeah. is actually, I mean, I don't know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna quote anyone, but it's similar to a, a drug. Yeah. It's similar to. Um, it's like a cortisol rush, it's an adrenaline rush and you know. Addictive. Yeah, and I know yeah. when I get, so if I get a follow from someone who's like a bit famous, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's so exciting. <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with that. And, no. and, and, and I, do, I don't want to take that away from people yeah. and you shouldn't, you should still get excited and it's yeah. nice to get likes and appreciation. It's nice to see the recognition of the work that you're doing. Yeah. But you know, my point is that if you don't get it, it doesn't matter. Like yeah. it's not all about, you don't, if you don't get it, it doesn't matter and yeah. don't give up on, you know, if you're trying to put good content out there and you don't get any like or instant graphic, just keep going. Like, yeah. don't feel bad about it. Yeah, I mean, I think my point is, yes, get excited about it, but <laughs> to then, to find that then the bar moves and you need more of that, mm. you get sort of addicted to the, to the, I mean, my like specialism, greed. yeah, my specialism is addiction, so everything seems to come back to addiction, but um, uh, you do, you get addicted to it, and yeah. it's, it, but addiction is about the chase. Yes. And Instagram is really good for the chase because yeah. you're following the followers and you're following who's like this and who's like that and who's follow you know why are they following them and not me you know it's all about the chase and the ritual and um, f sussing out what's going on but it's actually all an illusion. But it is all an illusion. But you know what? That chase has never disappeared. It's just yeah. that this is now just another channel of chase. So yeah. back in the day, you know, before Instagram, there was always a chase. It could have been a chase of a physical chase. Yeah. It, the, the chase has always been on. Yeah. Like, and you've always want that chase because you always want something you can't have. Yeah. And that has never stopped. And that yeah. never will stop. And I keep telling people this. So, it, you know, don't blame Instagram yeah. for this. No. This is, not, this is not a social media issue. Yeah. So any parents out there, don't don't blame the phone yeah no I, I completely agree it um i think it's a really good platform i think if we use it consciously and uh for the good of 
all man. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's a really, really good platform. But we just have to, I think we just have to know how to manage things for ourselves. It's the same as eating. Like you have to know how to eat for the best, the best for your body. Yeah. Because my body's different to the next person, and you know, eating. Everyone, if everyone ate the same, it would be very weird. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, and I think it's the same. You have to know to ma- how to manage something like social media so that it's uh, helpful to your mind rather yeah. than damaging. Yeah. I, I would actually tell people so. You know about us, I was homeless, yeah. probably very depressed at the time, and what got me out of it was getting my mind clear. Yeah. You know, I got my mind wow. clear first, then got physically healthy. Yeah. Um, like genuinely, I was like, right, I need to get my mind clear, then I'll get my body clear, like fit, and then I'll crack on and get, you know, get yeah. to where I need to get to. Yeah. If I'd have had social media, I don't know whether it had been positive or negative, but I know that I could have taken some positives out of it because yeah. you see so many people like yourselves, you know, that I've been there and through it and you think, oh my, I can do it. Like yeah. You find inspiration through yeah, there yeah. as well. So you don't have to look on Instagram just for the skinny people and the people that look beautiful and the people that drive these Bentleys and whatever. Yeah. You don't need to just look for that. Look for the real people out on Instagram and social media that have gone, I've got a story to tell. Yeah. I've been there, I've done it. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. Like, Here's some helpful tips about how to get out of it. And there's a lot of it. There's a lot. Of, I've been surprised at the amount of positive support and people, new people that I've met through networking. Yeah. Um, it's totally taken me aback how much positivity there is out there because I was in the camp of like social media is not great for people I'm just going to stay away from it but having investigated it a bit (laughs) clearly um, actually there is a really there's some really positive movements that have come out of it me too body positive yes you know this body image theme this week for mental health awareness week can you send me the links though so I can tag them all in the videos yeah yeah that's fine Um, and there are many many others there's lots of kind of um, love is love Love is, I'm going to it. Yeah, love is love. It's just sort of like making it okay whether you want to, when you want to be in a relationship with a man and a man or a man and a woman, yeah. you know, whatever, you know, it's it fine. kind of makes things okay. Yeah. Um, so I do think there is um, massive amounts of stigma being challenged and judgment being taken out of things via social media. But the danger is that we judge ourselves mm. um, because we're looking at the best parts of people's lives rather than actually what their sort of day-to-day life True. looks like. So, a couple of the questions that have come in. Uh, Jay has asked, what do you do if you feel that somebody close to you, for example, your roommate or a family member, or whatever, is suffering from depression, um, of some sort of mental health issue? What should we do? What can we do? And how do we help? Okay, so, I mean, the first thing to say is, like, it's really painful to see someone you love go through something like that. and I would say this to anyone, but you also have to be able to put yourself first because the temptation can be for, for Jay, the temptation can be to put himself, is it him? Yeah. Yeah. Put himself out there or, or say say something or do something or start going beyond his means to help his yeah. friend. Um, so the first thing is make sure that you know where your boundaries are and that you know how far you're willing to go to help the person. Um, and ultimately, you know, you have to know that the that's the person with the problem who needs to make the decision that they want to do something about it. You can say, "I'm really worried about you. Um, this is what I'm seeing, and I'm really worried about you." What you can't do is try and fix them, or force them into therapy, or um, try and be a sort of pseudo therapist and fix all their problems. Because, I mean, you just have to accept that that's not going to be your role. This is something that your your friend, your partner, your um, child your mother is going through 
and it's part of their journey and you can be with them and support them through it but you absolutely mustn't get in there with them because you you will go down as well wow um and i think it's really important to support the family members i mean i'm big on um especially when i work with young people um also supporting the parents in in a sort of hands-off way but just so that they know that um they also need to do their own sort of recovery, um, get some help for their own sort of thought patterns because these things don't happen in isolation. No. So if you're very if you're very close to someone, the likelihood is that you'll have a bit of information about what they've been through, um, and you can use that to just highlight how you're aware that things have got difficult and name say what you see. That's yeah. the most helpful thing. I think I you know I'm seeing you. You're sleeping all day or you're. Um, self-harming or I've noticed that um, you seem to, your drug use has gone up um, and then you just say what you feel and yeah. I'm really worried about that I'm really concerned about you I love you and I don't want to see you do this um, that's a great uh, I think that's yeah. really good so you don't have to fix them don't jump in yeah. and be like I need to fix yeah okay because yeah. many people do think that we love rescuing oh my god <laughs> we are, we're a nation well, well we are yeah. humans do love rescuing yeah, and yeah. we always thought because we're uncomfortable with vulnerability ah, okay so when someone says um, someone says, how are you doing? And I go, I'm having a really, something the other day, I said, I'm having a really bad day. <laughs> they were like, oh my God, oh my God, are you okay? What's happened? Yeah. What's happened? And I'm like, actually, I, you know, the truth is I'm just, having, I'm just having a bad day. I said a little bit about what was going on and then I kind of left it. Um, but people don't like to know that you're, they, not, do, they don't like to know that you're not, not okay because it makes them feel insecure. Yeah. Because we don't really enjoy being on the receiving end of someone who potentially um, potentially is not on the same page as everyone else that day. Yeah. So if someone's in a really depressed state, um, you people don't like to see it because the other thing is because it highlights possibly a part of yourself yes. that you don't really want to go near. Yeah. And I've seen it quite a lot actually when people come away from if they've ever had a depressive space and they then they have a friend who's they meet someone who's um gets depression, um, they're very frightened of it, which is understandable because they yeah, don't want to course. go near it. Yeah. Um but that and that's where the boundary comes in. So you can love them and support them, but you cannot let them draw you in. I get it. Yeah. Okay. So that's a good one for Jay. Um another one what is good mental hygiene routine? Wow, okay, so this is kind of what I'm like all about, really. Yeah. Um, I really like going to the gym, but the, and that's I have sort of good physical hygiene, but what I did notice is that people who have excellent physical hygiene sometimes have really bad mental hygiene. I really like the way that they've put it. I haven't yeah. really thought about it in that terminology. Um, Welcome to the Ginger Bibble Podcast. So... I mean, there are different stages to it. It depends where you are and how self-aware you are as to what sort of level of mental hygiene you can put into place. Because like you said, um, the mind is very complicated and it takes a long time to get to know exactly what your own mental health hygiene needs to look like because it's not going to be the same. Yeah. Same as food and exercise. We can't, if we all exercised and ate the same as the next person, we still wouldn't look like each other. No. So mental health, mental health, mental hygiene is the same. You have to figure out what works for you. Now, I mean, the main thing that, so I wrote this uh, mental health workout, which is basically uh, something that I got some of my followers to do, which I think had a positive effect. I'm just, we're coming to the end of it now. It was a five week workout, in inverted commas, program for your mind, wow. just to see what happened for people. And the things that I included were 
things like taking a moment to settle with yourself, so connect with yourself. So whether you do that through sitting quietly for five minutes a day, you can do meditation, you can do mindfulness. I'm not actually particularly into either of those two, but I do spend some time um, just kind of tuning in um, each day. And then connection with others. Um, so you connect with yourself, you connect with others. And then I use gratitudes and affirmations, which you don't have to call gratitudes and affirmations because no one, no one, uh, those words have been so tainted by the like self-help movement and loads of people find that they don't work, but you can check out on my account. I've got some really good videos on why, why they work and what they do. Because I think if we understand actually the science behind it, we're more likely to put it in place. Um, And that's just about self-appreciation because when you get into that sort of positive, pessimistic way of thinking or negative self-talk that affects your energy and that affects your behaviors and that affects your relationships mm-hmm. um and if we can start to sort of develop not necessarily like a hugely like i'm happy all the time and yeah. things are great and you know choose happy and all you know all that stuff it's just not possible but if you can be in a place where do you know what things are really a bit rubbish right now yeah um and i really appreciate the fact that my body is working for me, or I really appreciate the fact that I'm in a job, I really appreciate my family. Um, you can sort of include everything. So yeah. be, have a really good sense of what your reality is. Um, so these are things for mental hygiene, connection, connection with yourself, gratitude, affirmation, so self-appreciation, um, and movement. Movement, okay. I think movement is really important. Um, getting up, moving your body chemicals around. It doesn't have to be exercise. No. It can be, you know, walking around the block. It can be unloading the dishwasher. But if you sit still, you get into a really stagnant place, which mimics things like depression and anxiety. Wow, okay. Um, and your body, you know, it's like that thing, you know, if you smile for five minutes, you'll feel happy. You yeah. know, your body does mimic the way that you're, the way that you kind of hold it. Mm-hmm. So on a daily basis, those are the things that I recommend in terms of mental health hygiene. Gratitude is huge at the moment. I mean, I, grat- yeah. I see that everywhere. Yeah. And and I look at it and I, you know, I, I don't write it down. I mean, maybe that's a good practice for people to write it down every day yeah. and also to share it. Like people share it on Instagram and I look at it and go, and I always read what they're grateful for. And it's the yeah. simplest of things. Yeah. Like it's never, it's never money or it's never fame. It's never whatever. It's just really simple yeah. things. My family, I'm alive today. Yeah. I'm healthy. Yeah. Um, you know, it, and it's so nice to see that. Do you know what? Just write down what you're, you're, you're grateful for. And if you don't want to write it down, at least just say it to yourself maybe. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I'm a big one for handwriting stuff down. I mean, there are loads of like gratitude apps and whatnot, and they're really helpful. I used one of those for years. But I think there's something about handwriting because we don't do it very much anymore. No, we We're don't. We're all like dictating into our phones or sending voice notes or, you know. It, well, it's so it's present, it's physical, yeah. and it, it sort of it means a lot when you write it down yeah. as opposed to just, you know, yeah. typing away. Absolutely. Uh, there was another question from Maryam uh, What happens when a person is depressed? Like what, what, I suppose she's probably saying, what does it look like? I mean, Um, depression can look like anything is the scary thing. You know, the, the thing that we believe is that the person who's depressed is at home in bed and mopey and weepy, but actually sometimes the hardest workers are depressed. The people who work the hardest at whether it's an actual job or whether it's being a parent or whether it's at school or whether it's, um, I don't know, maybe they're training for something, some physical challenge, you know, those people are also often quite depressed underneath that. And they kind of keep going in order to avoid the fact that they're depressed. Mm. So the truth of the matter is we don't know what depression, in inverted commas, looks like, you know, and every time I work with someone who says, 
I'm really anxious or I'm really depressed. I'd say, okay, tell me what that looks like. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, so if I was there with you, yeah. tell me what your anxiety or tell me what your depression looks like so I know how to recognise it because it looks different on everyone. Um, the way the, in, Internally, the way that I kind of think about depression is that it's a repression of emotion. So mm. it's, it's a, uh, it's over time, it's a sort of, I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel. And we sort of push it down so that it becomes this depressed kind of thing yeah. that lives inside of us that we can't figure it, figure out. I always think about you, I don't know if, I haven't seen this recently, but you know, I, when I was a kid, I saw this thing once where a car went through a machine and they turned it into like a block. <laughs> so like all the parts of the car got like condensed yeah. into this like, like metal that. block like this. And I was it's like, still heavy. Wow, I'm sure yeah. it's still heavy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, depression is heavy. Yeah, and it I, was, is. I think about depression like that. I think, you know, if you are all the parts of a, a car mm -hmm. and slowly over time you've been um, repressed or suppressed wow. or depressed, you're going to be this big, but you're going to be super heavy. Yeah. And something that this, that's this big but can weigh three tons yeah. living inside of you um, is an incredibly difficult place to be sitting. Of course. Um, so I look out for a sort of repression of feelings, but physically, it can look different on everyone. It's not always crying. It's not always super succeeding. All right. So say, for instance, now somebody's, you know, somebody out there is now aware that, you know, I've got some, I feel anxious. I'm, I am slightly depressed. I've got some issues. Yeah. They can't afford to, yeah. you know, to go down Harley Street. Yeah. You know, we don't all live in London and people yeah. are watching you know, live all around the world. Yeah. Where can they go to? Certainly, okay, in this country, where, where could they go to? Could they go to the NHS? Yes, they can go to the NHS, but there's lots of um, waiting lists. There's mm -hmm. a quite a long wait, and it oftentimes you'll get sort of like 12 sessions, and then that's it, because that's how the NHS works, which is it's such a wonderful service, but for some people, they don't like the fact they've only got 12 sessions. They feel pressure that they have to be better in 12 sessions. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, these are the people who I really, you know, hand on heart think, you are probably the bravest people alive, people who get through mental health issues without having access to the types of things that I had access to and the, maybe the people that I work with have access to. Um, there are lots of, there's lots of information on the internet. There's lots of kind of um, self-help accounts, books, you know, get reading, get consuming some of the information, pick out what works for you. Not just because something's written down, yeah. it doesn't mean that it's true for you. You know, so just because someone did a piece of research or released a blog or did a post about, say, um, bulimia, it doesn't mean that the, what they wrote is it's true for work. you. Yeah. So you have to kind of, if you're going to do it yourself, you have to kind of be able to trial and error what works for you and what doesn't. Yes. Um, and with that comes a sort of, with that comes a sort of agency, um, but it can feel quite frightening and it can feel quite lonely. Mm -hmm. And the main thing that I'm a, the main thing that I would say the painful bit of working through something on your own is that you're going to have to have the feelings because yeah. so often we act out and mental health problems arise because we're avoidant of our feelings. Yeah. So when that fear comes up and when that loneliness comes up and maybe you come out of depression and you go into anxiety or you realise that actually you, you've got an awful lot of shame around something or you're really ashamed of um, a part of yourself and you, you have to be able to somehow find a way to cope with experiencing the healing that comes with feeling that feeling. Yeah. And you don't have to do it on your own because you do, there will be someone around you who's having a similar thing. Yeah. I, I can guarantee it. There'll be someone in your circle 
who is having a similar issue and also hasn't spoken about it. But if you can sort of drip feed, find out who is supportive and yeah. sort of test out your friends, test out your family, see what's going to work and work out where your boundaries are, how far you're willing to go. Um, there are also lots of um, sort of low cost therapy things available um, in London, especially, okay. um, which is really I know there's a there's a there's a place in uh, Islington which does sort of low cost um what, therapies, therapy yeah, nice. or you can get a trainee therapist and you know things like that. And if you, if you're if you're if you're really desperate, you're and you go to your GP, your GP should be able to refer you to someone who is um, on the NHS but will be appropriate to yeah. help you. What does a therapy session look like? What what can someone expect to go? Because people, you know, if they if they don't know what to expect, yeah. they think I don't I don't want to go. They're quite yeah, scared, yeah, yeah. and that's totally normal to feel scared, yeah. and it's fine to feel scared. Um, what does a therapy session, what would it look like? Well, um, it just looks like two people talking. Yeah, really. like this. Like this, okay. really, except we'd be on different couches. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's it sort of, I mean, the first session, I always, I always sort of say a little bit about myself, and then I say, so what's brought you to come and see me today? What's, what's the things that have been happening that led you to being here today? And we sort of talk through what the, the crisis, usually, that has brought them to seek help. Um, and then we kind of look a little bit further back and I usually ask a little bit about family and upbringing and that kind of stuff, which some people like and some people don't. You know, it depends on the person. Um, but it is ultimately a sort of space where there is like a map created for who you are. And there are two ways that I describe it. The first one is that we sort of pull apart the puzzle that is you and we figure out which piece is in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. And then we put it all back in the order that works. Um, and the other way I like to think about it is that it's like creating a map of the mind. So we all know where we go in our heads. Yeah. We don't always know how we got there. Yes. So okay. it's about figuring out which landmarks um, you need to know about and how to get from one to the other. So if I know I'm in, I'm moving into, we're talking about depression. So if I know I'm moving into a depressive space, mm -hmm. over time I can practice actually actually, if I take a left turn here, yeah. rather than continue going straight, yeah. I can get out of this and I don't end up in that old neighbourhood. And is that, I suppose, part of that is having the gratitude and affirmations, like, yeah. in a way, like, yeah. you know, maybe you want to write it down. So if you f feel that you're going, you're feeling like slightly depressed, maybe I'll start writing down what I'm grateful for and what I've yeah. got, and it might make you aware. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You can do that. Sometimes that's really difficult, though, when you're in that place. You yeah, know, it's actually, sure. be, even remembering that, gratitude or appreciation is an exercise that you can do is sometimes a bit impossible to get a handle on which is why I'm which is why we need to start the conversation yeah so you when you when someone says how are you, you can say I'm a bit depressed do you need anything um and it just kind of opens up it opens up something small rather than it um being a sort of swinging in the other direction I'm quite big on sort of neutralizing stuff because sometimes moving from um self-loathing uh, is into self positivity can be impossible yeah. and too much, and then it just it just you just end up with a mismatch yeah. of how you feel and how you look. So I'm quite big on sort of first of all, if we need to, we just neutralize it. It's like okay, well that's really interesting. You know, look at where I'm at. That is really interesting. Yeah. Um, rather than going this is bad or this is good, it's like let's just figure out where we are right now. Get present, and then let's see if bringing in the, some more appreciation or some more love or some more joy um, is possible. Yeah, that's nice. 
I've always believed that, you know, there's, um, I don't know, like you see really happy people in front of you, like Robbie Williams and, you know, there was yeah. a guy recently from uh, TOWIE, he passed, you know, he, he committed suicide, but you know, on the face of it, you think arrogant, this guy's too happy, like, I want to, I, I want to try and sort of pick out, like, is there, is there any signs that you think, like, uh, you know, being too happy, is that maybe like a sign? Um, it can be. It can be. I mean, it, it, I'm, because I'm sort of, I'm, I'm attuned to it, I can sort of feel it. Oh, this happened the other day. So me and my friends came across this really happy person and I was like, oh, he's angry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's because I'm, I do this day in, day out and yeah. I'm very kind of attuned to it. But, you know, often the person doesn't know it. Mm. And it's not my business or anyone else's business to say, oh, are you actually that happy? Yeah. <laughs> no. You know, so we create these defences, we create overt happiness or we create um, a version of ourselves which we feel is, we feel is accessible to the world yeah. um, because we need that and it's doing something and it's important to us in that moment. So, you know, you have to be quite careful about challenging other people's defences because they're there for a reason. Yeah, of course. Um, and often the person feels really vulnerable and has been hurt or doesn't know how to cope with some of the situations. I mean, lots of those reality TV stars, yeah. you know, and even people who have become famous on Instagram, you know, all of a sudden they're plummeted into a world which they were not prepared for yeah. and they do not have the coping mechanisms for it. No. Whereas in the old days, you know, people who became famous, they had media training and there was all sorts of, there was a whole team behind them. Yeah, of course. Well, now it's, it could be quite, yeah. almost instant. Yeah, I mean, lots of people did also go a bit bonkers in the old days. But, um, but now, yeah, people really don't know, they don't know kind of what they're getting themselves into in terms of their own uh, looking after themselves, yeah. their own self-care. Because I know when you approach someone and say, um, oh, you know, why are you so happy all the time? Is it real? Is it fake? Because people say to me, Nathan, why are you always happy all the time? I'm not always happy all the time. Yeah. I, do, I, I, don't, I don't mean to be fake when I come across, but yeah. I'm not a miserable person. I don't, yeah. I'm never going to go to someone, I'm not going to be horrible to someone, but it doesn't mean I'm always happy. Yeah. And it doesn't mean when I go home, I'm always smiling and bouncing up. Sometimes I feel down, sometimes I feel mm -hmm. angry, things get me wound up. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm always, I just try and tell people, look, you can come across as happy, it's fine, but you just need to be aware if you're unhappy. Yeah. Just, you know, maybe talk, you've got to talk to somebody about yeah, it. Yeah. It's so underrated talking at the moment. Like, it's all on the phones and yeah, it's all yeah. behind screens and just start, just have a conversation with someone. Like, I don't, I was brought up in a village. Yeah. And every morning, you would see, you'd walk down a street and you'd say, hello, 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 yeah. hello. Like, you just get into that habit of just talking to people and it sort of brings a smile to your face. It sort of relieves a bit of tension. Yeah. Um, are there any places where people could just go and talk? Do you know what, actually? I suggest that people do that all the time. I say, well, next time you get a coffee, just ask the person outside the counter, how are they? Yeah. Because I think that, first of all, it's a really nice touch. It brightens the other person's day, but it also brings us out of our own self-centeredness. Mm. So um, I'm, I'm really big on that. You just, know, if I bump into the bin man, I'll always be like, hey, have a good day. It's, you know? yeah. And sometimes I don't want to. It happened this morning, actually. Yeah. And I was like... I was like, thank you. He let me walk first. I was like, thank you. I was like, have a good day. He was like, yeah, you too, babe. All that kind of stuff. <laughs> okay. But I actually really didn't want to say it. I was in a bit of a rubbish mood and I was kind of I was tired and I had to go back to check that the back door was locked because I got anxious about it. So <laughs> yeah. it, ha it happens to me all the time. But yeah. um, it, you know, I think that really brightens people's days. I don't think we, I mean, it'd be great if we could have, we could go somewhere and do that. But I think you can incorporate that in your everyday life. life. You can. Um, just asking people, how are they? Yeah. How are you? 
But people, people then will reverse that and go, well, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Yeah. People go, well, why you, you don't care? Yeah, well, maybe they don't care. <laughs> but that's, that's not the, it's not about the response. No. So it's not, for me, lots of the stuff that I sort of help people change is not about changing the response. So if I'm saying to someone, how are you? Mm. Um, and I don't get a response, fine. Yeah. The fact is I've said it. Yeah. You know, and I have attempted to connect with someone and maybe it, maybe it makes their day, maybe it makes them smile, maybe they just have a moment of little happiness. Um, great. If they don't, fine. Because I, I would always ask someone, say, I always say to people, how are you? So I asked you today, when yeah. I saw you, I said, how are you? And I'm fine, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I was like, no, how are you? Yeah. And you went, well, actually. Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, just tell me that in a first. Like, I'm, I'm willing, if I ask people, if I ask anyone, how are you? I don't mean, how are you? I genuinely mean, yeah. how are you feeling? Yeah, as do I. But like, that was a really good example. Because like I said to you, you know, yeah, I'm a bit worried about something, but I don't really want to talk about it because I don't want it to get in the way Wait, of what we're yeah. doing. So I think sometimes we say I'm fine because we don't want to we don't want to people to know oh. that there's um, you've got a particular concern or particular worry or particular anxious about something because you don't want to feel the feelings that go with that yeah. and sometimes that's really appropriate um, but like I think you were saying sure. something along these lines earlier um, you can be okay and you can be sad and mm. you can be worried and you can be anxious like I know. Pretty, I mean, sometimes I get caught out, but I'm pretty confident that I can deal with most of my feelings, which I didn't used to be able to. You know, I'm pretty, even when I get caught out in, um, you know, a big trauma reaction or something happens and I go into fear or I get anxiety or whatever it is, um, I know that it's not going to, it's not going to kill me. Yeah. Um, whereas I think I used to feel like I couldn't deal with them at all. And that happens, I mean, I'm quite an extreme example, but... Um, that happens to people all the time. Yeah. We just we always have stuff that we take the edge off our feelings with, and denying what actually is going on when people say "How are you?" Yeah. Um, is part of that. So it is about knowing as and when it's appropriate. I actually did a post, I think it was yesterday, and I said, as long as it's appropriate, you know, if it's appropriate, I will tell you, I will tell you how I'm feeling, and I think people earn the right to hear the, your truth. Yes. So, you know, for example. If I'm getting on the bus, I'm not going to tell the bus driver that I'm having a bad <laughs> no, of day. Of course not. But, um, but if most... it's someone that you know, yeah, you know, like yeah. it can be that's appropriate. Like if it's someone that you know, yeah, yeah, and that you can have a conversation with, then it should be exactly. If it's someone that I see every day or you know a couple of times a week, then yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it is really, I think it's really helpful to just for people to know that actually you're going through something, but you also know how to handle it. Yeah. It makes other people feel safe as well. Yeah, it does. But, and, but people just don't know how to handle it. Yeah. You know, people, this is, and, uh, you know, I'd love to be able to sort of, I really like someone, you know, if, if anyone out there at the moment has got the depression or you're thinking, do you know what, you know, I'd like to come and chat with you. I'd love them to come and have a, like an open chat. Yeah. I'd love to, I want to understand a bit more about it. Yeah, but that's it. the thing, you know, we all, we, we all talk about it afterwards. Yeah, you know, it's we, not. Yeah, we talk about it when we're not in it. And it, uh, yes, it's very true. People rarely stop when they're in the midst of something like that, in the midst of a mental health crisis, yeah. um, and think to themselves, oh, I'm just going to tell the world that, yeah. uh, that I'm in the midst of this, because there's shame attached to it. Yeah. There's shame attached to being in that place, and there's, a shame, there's shame attached to not being okay, and shame makes us hide. Um, and then we keep it a secret, and the secrets keep us sick, and you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And then we free ourselves by talking to people about it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you're right, it would be fascinating to actually um, 
for someone to sort of publicly come and talk through their process. Yes. Because, I mean, I'm in a very privileged position because I see people doing it and um, I see people kind of move through. Some of the work that I've done is sort of inpatient and outpatient treatment programs. So I see people through those really difficult moments. But yeah. we are most unreachable when we're in that place. Yeah, okay. Um, so, I mean, in terms of the social media stuff as well, you know, just bear in mind that people are sometimes coming from a after position. Yeah. Um, and but if they're in an after position, they know how difficult it is when you're actually in it. No, sure. So what's next for the mind? So I know you said you want to try and make it a bit more uh, socially acceptable and it should 100 yeah. be so like no one, if anyone has issues and someone wants to talk about it, no one should ever, you know, gun that down. Like this is, you know, you are, that's terrible to me. Like, you know, yeah. so you want to make it more um, acceptable to people and, yeah. and more like take the stigma away from it. Yeah. But what else? What's, what's new? What are you going to try? You're trying to go to social media or you could well, maybe create a channel? Um, I, so I'm working on, I'm just doing a website, which is zoeaston.com. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's going up and I'm, I am, I mean, I, the mind's just going to unfold. It's got a life of its own. Yeah. I'm just going to like let it do what it's going to do. Nice. Um, and I'm very receptive, receptive or responsive to the stuff that comes in. So actually, the account is pretty much run by my followers. Yeah. So I do votes and um, questions and polls and whatnot, um, and people kind of tell me what they want to hear about. Come. Isn't it crazy how you're not trying? But yeah. it happens. Yeah. Like people keep trying, like they, they try too hard. Like, and that's, and that's where, you know, I've been doing this for nine years. Yeah. And it's only now that people are, people can sort of see me, yeah. like literally, because <laughs> I'm putting myself on videos. But, um, you know, it's not like, it looks like she started this account in February and now it's, what are we in May? No. Um, it's like, it looks, it looks a little bit like an overnight success, but that all what happened was at the moment where my confidence was like, actually, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Um, that feels like the right thing to do, the next step to take. Um, Were you out of your comfort zone at the beginning? Did um, you feel like uncomfortable doing it? I didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> it took me, it took me about a month. Thing. Yeah, it took me a while to figure out like the IGTV thing and how yeah. everything worked. I did it wrong a few times. Um, so what advice would you give someone looking to get into therapy or psychotherapist? Um, well, the best piece of advice I was ever given was to try it out before you commit to it. Because me, being me, I kind of applied straight for a master's and they were just like, uh... So you, you, you went straight to the master's? Yeah, 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 The story goes, I was sitting in the park one day. I was like, what am I doing with my life? I was like 23 or 22 or something. And I was like, I really like talking to people. I was like, okay. and I really enjoyed being in therapy. So I was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to apply to... Uh, to be a therapist and uh, I went home and applied for this course that I knew some other people had done and um, they were basically were like you know great but you're a little bit young and you need to like figure out that you actually want to commit to this yeah. a master's uh, signing up to a master's degree course is quite a, a, a commitment yeah sure um, so I went and did a few little like taster bits to start off with like afternoon and evening courses and then I did a year sort of foundation year and then I went on to did a three-year master's um, I mean, I was pretty sure that I wanted to do it and I've, I'm lucky because I always, I, I have always tended to know what I want to do next. Yeah. Um, lots, lots of people don't have that sort of, um, 
they don't they're not I'm quite privileged in that way and that it's just I'm quite driven in, in that direction. Sure. So I kinda of knew I wanted to do it. But if you're thinking about it, um I would say do go do a workshop, go do an evening course and check that you actually are interested in the other side of it. Because particularly if you've been a client in therapy, yeah. the other side of it is quite different and you have to kind of change the way you think about it a little bit. Um and you just want to make sure that you know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, sure. So are there actually part-time courses you can do? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. There are lots of, like, universities often do, like, part-time, like, introduction to counselling courses. Um, you can do, like, weekend workshops, wow. um, day workshops. There's, we have to do this, these things, we call them CPDs, condition, Continued Professional Development. And, yeah. and we have to do a certain amount of hours each year to kind of keep up with the new things that are, are coming out. Um, but people who are not psychotherapists can go on some of them okay. and just kind of get a gist of what the topic is about. So say if someone was like, I want to be an attachment therapist, they could go on a workshop about attachment therapy mm -hmm. and just get an idea, get a mouthful for what that actually entails. Nice. Yeah. So that would be a good, good starting point. Just try yeah. it part time, see yeah. what it's about, see... Yeah. If it fits and go from there, but yeah. maybe don't apply for the master's straight away. No. Well, um, I mean, you can. It worked <laughs> for me, but um, I had a very unusual educational route. But, and uh, so, I mean, follow your heart. Yeah, okay. But also follow advice. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, is it, has it ever been about the money? Um, no, I think I've always had a sort of like do what you love and the money will come next. Mm -hmm. um, but, and I, I say that from a place of, I generally have, always been a hard worker and I've always landed on my feet mm -hmm. so um, even when I was younger I randomly one day set up this dance company um, because I really wanted to and it basically kept me afloat for about 12 years oh, wow yeah so I did that I was about 16 when I did that and then I finally kind of closed it down when I was about 28 ish That's the two incredible. careers overlapped but um, I do honestly believe that if you put the love and the passion mm -hmm. first yeah that comes through in the talent and it comes through in your capability and it comes through in your dedication to whatever topic you're whatever industry you're working with and people respect that um psychotherapy counseling it's not the right industry if you want to make lots of money no. um you know if you want to be a millionaire don't become a psychotherapist yeah, sure. <laughs> um but it certainly you know it certainly kind of grows as the years go on yeah um yeah. I, okay, because I've always believed that, you know, again, it, it shouldn't be about the money. If you're yeah. going to start a business, it should be about because you believe in what you're doing, yeah. it will make a difference or, yeah. you know, it's going to enhance your life as a person. It shouldn't be just, I'm not going to start a business just because it's about money. Yeah. Um, and everyone that I've met that's, that is, that's been successful has never said it's about the money. Everyone's no. been about passion. And do you know what? I, you know, this is a bit cheesy, but I really like... There's lots of things in my life that have gone wrong, but in terms of passions and motivation and work, the universe has always had my back. Yeah. I mean, the way I, uh, this is quite a little anecdote, but the way I got to, got to do my master's degree was because I actually ended up getting a scholarship. But the story is that the, I was talking to my mum one night, I was like, how am I gonna pay for this? I've got the place, I was like, how am I gonna pay for this? I was like, I've got about half the money, it was like all my savings. <laughs> all my savings um and my mum was like maybe I'll lend you the other half and then we were sort of working out when I'd pay it back and 
you know, I don't even know whether that was realistic what I was coming up with. And then I got home and I don't have a landline anymore, but in the yeah. time I had a landline. And on my landline was um, a message from someone saying that I'd um, achieved one of the scholarships that I'd applied oh, for. Oh, wow. Yeah, Amazing. and I was just like, oh my God, like this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Um, so, I mean, with the, with the money and the sort of passion things, when they align, yeah. I think things do tend to work out. Um, and I... I feel that I have been very lucky in terms of my career, yeah. but I also think I work very hard and I maintain my interest and I maintain my sort of desire and I do naturally want to help people yeah. because I was helped so much. You know, there's something about that that really kind of, I don't think you keep what you've got by keeping it to yourself. No. I really believe in like the more you give, give. the more you get. Well, some uh, Sal said, "I've never known anyone to become poor by giving." Yeah, like you it's know. amazing. Yeah, it's really amazing. And as the older I get, the more I see that. Yeah, the more I'm like, oh my god! Like actually, the more I give back, the more open and abundant my life becomes. It's, cr- it's mental, isn't it? And yeah. My p- people always say to me, Nathan, you should always give to charity. You should always give away. Yeah. And before I was like, no, because no one ever gave to me. But now yeah. I like, I try and give as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the things is trying to create the Nathan K Foundation, yeah. which, well, this is going to be a podcast, but the, the Nathan K Foundation is all about actually having like a workshop, like, you know, there'll be 15, 20 people in here. Yeah. Someone like yourself will come in and teach people that want to be psychotherapists for free yeah. of charge. You'll in come in for the day. Not this room, <laughs> okay. but a bigger room. Um, but, you know, you'll come up to yeah. this building and you'll be one of the bigger offices and it'll be, you know, teaching people a daily course about what it takes to be a psychotherapist, yeah. um, how to start a company, yeah. how to, I don't know, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have people from certain professions coming in and help. Yeah. Um, so if you ever want to be part I'd of that, um, then great. Because yeah. it's all about giving back. And yeah. like you said, you know, when you give back, it yeah. just, it does just come. Yeah. Um, is that, do you feel that's like a bit creating your own luck? Like Potentially, maybe that's a good way to look at it, creating your own luck. Um, like the harder you work, yeah. and, you know, you just sort of, you create a bit more opportunity from that. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing I want to add in there is that because I've always enjoyed my work, hard work doesn't phase me, so to speak. It doesn't feel like hard yeah, work. Because, I, because I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I mean, there are days where I'm like, I just can't, I just can't. I just don't want to read that book or I just, you know, there are days when I really don't want to be a therapist. And that's normal. Yeah. yeah. For people, sorry to interrupt, but yeah. you know, anyone that thinks, oh, I don't love my job because I complain about it sometimes, it's not true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you can love your job and still be like, oh, I don't want to do it today. Yeah, I just, you know, we have days where we don't want an adult. Actually, I just want to run around in my inner child for a little bit, <laughs> yeah. um, which is fine. Um, but we have to, you have to know when you're doing it and you have to know how to like um, yes. <laughs> deal with yourself. Um, what was I saying? But the, where was I, what was I saying? <laughs> what were you saying? About, was it about giving back? What yeah, about, giving about um, creating our own luck. Creating our own luck. Oh, it doesn't feel like work. Yes, of course. Because, yeah, because it's a genuine interest and it's a genuine care and it's a genuine um, effort. You, you enjoy what you do. Yeah. That's, I think that's really important to yeah. enjoy what you do. Um, I want to say thank you very much for coming on today. Thank you for having um, me. No, you're welcome. Um, if you guys have got any questions, you want to know more about Zoe Aston or the, uh, the Mind Gym, all the details will be below and I will share them on my social media, uh, Instagram and Facebook. Yay. Thank you so much. Thank you. An absolute pleasure.